Welcome to the Breaking Wax Podcast. To season two, episode 12 of the Breaking Wax Podcast. Uh, this week I have a special guest, Dean, also known as the Bagel Master or Bagels and Wax. And he also has his son, uh, Mini Bagel, with us here today. What's going on, guys? How are you? Thank you for having us on the pod. What's going on? He's probably like, I already said hi to you earlier. Why am I saying hi? Yeah, we weren't weren't recording before. So, yeah, we're hanging out. We're actually, Hudson has his briefcase out. Um, Just looking through some of his PC stuff. Who's your, who are your favorite players? Michael Jordan. um, Nice. um, Football. Saquon Barkley. Um, Aaron Judge and Yankees fan. Nice. Um, Matthew Barzell. Matthew Barzell. Oh, okay. Islanders. Yeah, we're having a say hockey. Yeah, we're a big hockey family. We um, we actually have a relationship with the Islanders. We uh, I I had a big business relationship with them for a long time. They practiced up the block from the store, so nice. we did food for them. So. Go to a lot of the games. They've been a lot better the last five or six years, but it's an off year this year. Yeah, when I was, uh, you know, it stinks that we didn't uh, connect sooner because I was in Long Island, you know, three years, and I went to a lot of Islanders games also. Um, oh, that's I, so funny. Yeah, I, I like going. Hockey's like my – I don't watch – so that's the thing. I don't watch hockey on TV, but I love to go to the games live, like – Besides college think, football, it's probably like my favorite thing to go watch is professional hockey. So, yeah, I I think um, so. It's so funny. I've never really been into um, college football. It's like I'm a huge sports fan. I watch everything. I pretty much outside of like soccer, I'm I'm really right. kind of like into everything. Um, and I've never gone into college football. I think it may be because I didn't go to like a big rah-rah college, like college football school? Yeah, it's hard um, in the Northeast, especially like Long Island, New York. There isn't really a big college. I mean, I think Stony Brook had some pretty big college football games when I was there, but I never even went. It's a lot different um, than the South for sure when it comes to Oh, yeah. Football. So I went to Hofstra, and we okay. did have – We actually Basketball. had a couple guys. Yeah, I, um, when I was there, Colston – was a senior, I think, or um, so obviously he was good. Krebet was always uh, around the island, you right. know, but um, other than that, the football team at Hofstra was, was known for more bad than good, and they ended up getting rid of it. Right. So, so are you, did you grow up in Long Island or Manhattan? So I, I've lived in Queens my entire life. Um, okay. The business has always been on Long Island, and I've been helping out um for the majority of my life so i'm like a hybrid <laughs> it's i, I, I kind of yeah because i spend just as much time on the island if not more than than queens you know so right. it kind of really puts me um in in both places so man do you ever get tired of the grind because it's a grind the traffic's a grind the people's a grind it's like it's an everyday grind you know what i mean I mean, I'm opposite traffic hours, right? So I'm okay. up for work between four and five o'clock every day. So I'm heading in and then I leave the store at about anywhere between two and four o'clock. So I okay. catch a little bit of traffic, but generally, generally, I'm um, whoops. Sorry yeah, about that. 
No, you're good. Sorry. Um, generally, I'm I'm opposite of traffic hours, so it doesn't doesn't really bother me. Um, but it is a grind. I mean, look, everybody commutes to work, right? So to me, especially the last couple of years with like all the you know the card industry and like the the other business and everything, it gives me the time to catch up on phone calls and everything else when I'm in the car. Right. You right. Know, oh so. yeah, for sure. You got to multitask for sure. But that. So I, my office when I was there was in Port Jeff, and uh, and then we lived east in like Wading River area. Okay. So, but it was like all my neighbors, all the kids, um, all my kids' parents—they all worked in the city, man. And I was just like, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, my one neighbor would leave at three forty-five every morning to—he was a pipe fitter, but like Manhattan every day, every day, and he would come home after me, and I and like. I would get off work, hit the gym, and then go home, and he would still get home after me. And that was just straight work day. So yeah, that that stuff. Like I have, I have customers. You know, with with COVID, it's such a big shift because I'm right by the train station in right. Sayasa. So with COVID, everybody stopped taking the train. You know, right. So everybody's everybody's driving. The traffic right now to the city is like an hour and a half to two hours. You know, um, so it's totally crazy. Um, but it's that that commute is so crazy to me uh, because you're losing two to three hours a day of, yeah. of time. Just sitting in traffic. And that yeah. I, yeah, that I, I totally, totally, you know, that's tough. Um, but now that I have, you know, the, the card office on the island, you know, I, I shoot over there sometimes. It's not far away from the store it's about it's about a 10 12 minute drive from the store so I got you. yeah so now is one of the reasons you know my partners and I um, decided to go there cuz it's between both of their office and and my store so it's it's very convenient for any of us to get there okay what up so you have a separate yeah. office for the card stuff yeah so um I was heavily involved with with pull wax for a couple of years, unfortunately, because of the commute and everything else. It was very tough, you know, for me to travel to Florida and everything else. Um, so I had I decided with one of my really good friends and I had been talking about it for a while to get something going in New York. Um, you know, I still do a ton of stuff with with Mikey from pull wax and we still do a bunch of things together. But. I needed to kind of park, um, park a business somewhere because of, you know, how much work we do and, right. you know, the goals we had. So, you know, we figured Long Island was a good, good place. We didn't want to do a store. We wanted to do an office, you know, make it a private setting where we could store our stuff safely um, and then do appointment only kind of, kind of stuff. I gotcha. So are you guys, you guys are buying singles and stuff, or is it a lot of pull, like stuff you guys pull from um, breaks, or is it just a so personal it's collection? It's funny. It, it started where where um, all three of us are degenerate rippers, and we um, kind of you know started. It started with our collections and right. like the stuff that we wanted to unload. Um, you know, so we hired a couple of people that you know are constantly posting. Whether it's, you know, we have an eBay store, we have an online, we have a website, um, you know, and then we kind of push everybody off our Instagram to 
you know, the website. Um, so we do story sales, but kind of push it. We're starting now that we, we have our website up, we're starting to push everybody to our website. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're doing a lot of that. And then we started buying up collections. We, you know, there's so many people, you know, so many relationships I've, I've made in the last couple of years, um, that, um, where through breaking people don't really know what to do with the stuff they're not interested in. And they, not only do they not know what to do with it, they really don't want to take the time, you know, to do it. So there's so many people that just, you know, try to get the big hit or try to do something. Um, and they just have boxes and boxes of cards just laying around. And, you know, look, it's not, there's so many people that we originally were offering to consign stuff. And then we were like, why? We could just make them an offer. Most of them don't even want to do it inside it. They'll take whatever and just give up, you know, give up what they have just because it's it's like junk to them. Right, right. No, I'm I'm in that boat, the ladder of uh I don't want to deal with consignment. I don't want I just wanna here you go, you can take it all and do whatever you want. Yep. Are you are you getting uh are you hearing any like crunching sounds? Hold, hold on one second, yeah, let me see. Oh. The little guy must be uh playing or doing something because he muted it. <laughs> The little man. Um, sorry, are you good now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just I didn't know if it was, I was just me or if it was on your end. No, welcome to marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like I'm doing anything. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe it was a little guy, but um, so yeah, you know, and there's so many people and, and the thing is, it's, there's so many people that like, like you said, even with my own stuff, look, it's between, you know, me having a career and other business and everything else, you know, I would story sell, I would do this and that, but it's funny. It's one of the things that Mikey and I had spoken about for so long, um, was, was offering that service to customers, you know, like I had said it and we didn't, I, I, when I suggested it, didn't realize how time consuming it was and that you yep. literally need, it's not even just one person to handle it. When you have that many customers, you would need right. two, three people to just handle that work on a, you know, because if you're reaching out to a customer and you're saying they're keeping one out of their like 20 carts from the break, right? And we're not even talking about we're not even talking about the base stuff. We're talking about, let's say somebody's in a big break and they want to keep one out of 20 cards. Well, you have to figure out what do they want? You know, what kind of percentage right. do they want? You know, it's, it's a time consuming process. So. Yeah. That's like, for me, I'm, I'm always, I'd rather just give it to you all. Um, don't even tell me what price per card. Just tell me a total number for everything. And I'm like, here you go. Take it. But, uh, that's me. I, I get impatient. I like doing the story sales, and I found that, like, doing lots of players, you know, like 10 Ed Howards or whatever it is, is the easiest yep. thing, you know, so to move them. But, yeah. No, I, you know, it's so funny because I always see, and it's like the trends are always the same, and, and not just with you, but in general, right? Because right. I'm, I'm so active on, on Instagram, and I'm always looking around. 
you know, at the end of the month, everybody does their story sales, you know, or like the beginning of the month. And certain people just know um, that certain people will be story selling. And it becomes the more that you do it, the more you you engage, you know, you engage a crowd. And it, right. it's it's so easy. Um, you know, the kid um, that we have two employees and one of them is very active on Instagram but he never used to do story sales. Right. So it was like a foreign subject to him when I started telling him one of the biggest things is, you know, we'll cross promote it. I'll, you know, tag myself in it, tag him personally, our office, and we'll, we'll constantly push that way. And it just works when you're consistently it doing it. People are seeing it. They absolutely look for it. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. It definitely does work. I mean, and, then you have good friends or people in the hobby too that'll post it for you, you know, and share it. So, um, yeah, that always works out good too. What, um, so have you always been into cards or is this something recently that you get into? So, I, so I actually grew up collecting. So, um, we've owned the store since for a long time. My, my family purchased the store in 1990 okay. and we actually used to sell. So, the candy company that we bought all our like candy and cigarettes and stuff from used to sell tops they so we used to have a yep. tops account so we used to my dad used to bring me home cards as you know like as gifts as you know rewards um and whatever else and it got me so i moved we moved to america when i was six years old okay. so one of my dad's like biggest things was he wanted us to assimilate. He wanted us to like learn, you know, and it put me like, I became such an avid sports fan. And I think right. one of the biggest things that's lost right now, and I've said this before, nobody reads the back of cards anymore at all. Right. Nobody looks at I the do. stats. Everybody looks at the cards for literally the monetary value and nothing else. And I grew up, I could have, I, and I think a lot of '90s kids could have told. I could have told you every stat for like every basketball player from the yep. '90s, what teams they played for. You know, like it was such like, and so I grew up collecting. Um, I, I was collecting till probably uh, until I was probably about fourteen, fifteen. Um, um, there was a local store that I used to buy from that was really nice you know and then they had the you know i could never afford like the chrome or the finest right. or anything else back then but i remember that a second store opened up and they started taking consignment and okay. so i gave all my like second tier cards and like third tier cards the store ends up going out of business and pretty much stole everybody's cards so it was like a really, uh, so when it was myself and a bunch of other neighborhood kids that got burned by them and it kind of just, it, it kind of like stopped me. Um, and it was like such a sad, like bro broken thing that right. I stopped collecting. Um, but I didn't get rid of anything. I just kind of put it in bins. I was also getting a little older and I was like trying to do, you know, like 15, 16, we kind of would just hang out at the park and like not really go home or, you know, right, right. be outside. Um, Think about and girls. I put everything away. So like 
everything got put away. Um, and I would like dabble because I guess like, I don't know, when I got in my 20s, I would be at Target and I would see they, you know, Target had boxes forever. Right. Right. And I would just buy whatever they had and kind of open it and then just put it in the box and like stash it away. Um, my wife and I bought this house. And when we were moving into the house, I had all these bins. And I was like, what am I going to do? Should I just get rid of the junk stuff and keep like what was good from, you know, from what I had? Right. She said, keep everything. Who knows what's going to happen? So Hudson's going to be six. Um, he was about two, two and a half. I started going to what's now my LCS. Um, and I said, you know, I kind of want to get back into things. This was like, like night is 2019. I want to, um, I want to get back into things. You know, what do you suggest? And you right. know, I, I ended up becoming really good friends with the owner. The owner ended up started feeding me product on release, like everything. And I think like, like everybody else, I jumped full, full body in at that point, you know, what else? Yes. Is it the prices were, you know, look, I, I could have, afford a lot more than I could afford when I was a kid right. and I'm getting, you know, like you're opening stuff and now like, look, I'm not opening junk, you know, like tops base, you know, or, or Fleer or hoops, right. you know, I'm opening up higher end products. It's nice products and you're kind of getting hits and, and stuff out of it. What, um, uh, what else um, do you go to? I, so I go to Royal in, uh, um, Royal Sports, they're they're right in there in like the Forest Hills uh, Middle Village like okay. um, area. Um, super super nice guys. Probably the most fairly like now that I've been in the business and on the wax side and everything else. Like we do a lot of I I do a lot of business back and forth with them, and I, I constantly yell at them because. They they're beyond fair on pricing to the point that like I know they're what they're paying for stuff. They'll make like ten dollars on a box sometimes and like wow. sell stuff just because they don't wanna they don't wanna gouge customers, you know, and, and and I'm like I'm not trying to tell them to overcharge, but they have the right to make money too. And making ten dollars yeah, on a 100%. box that's like seven, eight hundred dollars is not doesn't make sense. No, I, I think, uh, and it's rare to see any LCS not price gouging. Um, it's almost for a while there, like they were all watching Blowout and what's uh, the other big online store to kind of see what Dave their prices were going to be. Yeah, to see what their prices, to see what their prices are going to be before they price their boxes. And yeah, I'm, I'm all about make some money, but at the same time, it's like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's I, I. Sometimes I wonder, like, if the, the stores that do the online or like the live breaks, right? Like, do they even feel guilty charging the prices they do and seeing people just rip over and over and over? You know what I mean? You know, so so I'll tell you. A lot of people don't don't fully understand um, the pricing structures um, because they haven't been in it and they don't know. You know, so being that I, I'm. I've wholesale and I'm involved in wholesale and I, you know, was involved a lot on the back end of it. People don't right. realize how many breakers and even stores are getting product third and fourth hand. 
Right. You know, and that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I I've seen so many people like I remember people post allocation pricing and then compare it to the price that's being charged. Well, right. What most people don't realize is allocation pricing. You maybe get five, maybe get five percent. The the mega accounts maybe get ten percent of their product at allocation pricing. Right. Right. So anybody that's posting it, and so many guys have seen the invoice, and they're like, "Oh, well, look, the box only costs five hundred, and they're charging fifteen hundred. Well, the thing is, the distributor is selling that five hundred dollar box for eleven hundred. Right. And the person running a business, if you take in supply, shipping, and time spent, look, yep. you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Look, Mikey, right? Mikey started in his apartment. Um, you know, we, I, I was helping him get product. I, I, he was, people, look, Polex is probably one of the biggest things. And I'm so happy to see the success. He grew to a mega level because he put the work in, right? He right. was in his apartment for eight months with up to six employees at one point, you know, trying to move through product and trying to keep it fairly priced. But you you can only make so much until you get that allocated product, right? Yeah. And, or you get, you know, you're moving X amount of volume. You have to pay people, you know, like, look, he has a mega team now, right? People all were, were, were screaming and yelling, he's making so much money or this or that. Did, did people forget he was paying five people or four people or, you know, yep. and, and yeah, the yeah, supply yeah. cost, you know, and um, it's, it's very unfair and it's really, really rough in, in, the, in the entire, you know, people, everybody's still on the hobby thing. I call it an industry because I think you leave a certain point of when you, when when a a market hits a certain point financially, it's no longer just a hobby. And I get oh, yeah. everybody wants to call it the hobby, but it's fully been an industry for the, at least the last three years, if not forever, just because of the volume that's going on. Oh yeah, the volume, the sales, the prices of things. I I hear you. You know my my thing is, is like, I, I understand those guys like pull wax, I, you know, like, I don't know if he's getting allocation or not. Um, but then, you know, you got the LCSs, the traditional ones that have been around for a while. Um, and Steve from one one he came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he kind of broke down the whole, you know, distributor allocation directly from Panini and tops and all that stuff too. But it's like, Man, somewhere it's got to stop at some point with these prices. I mean, and it has. It's come down a little bit. Like, I didn't I didn't check today with uh, first off-the-line contenders dropped, right? It was at it Dutch finished auction. at 650 650 So that's a lot lower. I actually thought it was going to sell out at 1000 um, So it's funny. We're obviously in the chat together, and I saw that you did that. I saw that you had said that, and a few other people were saying. I think the biggest thing that the market correction – because once again, like everybody has their their feelings on it, I will always call it a correction because it was an over, you know, it was overpriced and it, it didn't burst. Like I mean, right. there's still healthy, super high price. Oh yeah, yep. Oh yeah, there's right. still there's still there's still money to be made. You just gotta look a little harder. Right. You know what I mean? Like the eight hundred dollar 
Zion prison base, that's not coming back um, for yeah. sure. But it but, should have never. So it corrected. And that's why yeah. I like to correct it. But I think the biggest thing that happened um, was the, the wax correction. And I think the wax yeah. correction was more important than anything else because it allows more people in. You know, yeah. look, when when last year, and, and I know all the pricing before it drops, right? And I know we were literally, literally afraid that Prism Hobby 2021 was going to come out at $2,000 a box. Afraid of it. Because we knew if it started at that point, it was going to burst. Yep. And, you know, it's one thing, and you, you've seen, like, opinions, you know, like, there are certain people in our group chat that are super knowledgeable. I, I don't want to always use names because they work for certain companies, and, you know, you don't yep. want to. But somebody in our group chat said when, you know, like they predicted like this pricing is going to be at a thousand. When something comes out lower, it's great because there's room to grow. Right. right. We were talking about I, I was talking about prism football that's coming out. And I had I had said that I think it's going to be it's going to come out low. And the person that I'm talking about said, well, right. And it's going to give it room to go up. What's been happening for the last like year is everything comes out super high and then it drops and then goes back up again. It's a lot more healthy when it comes out lower and it naturally goes up because the biggest hits haven't been pulled or, you know, stuff like that. You know, what what happened with the drop for 2021, and I'll tell you because I had, you know, had made a a, a large – was involved in a lot of large purchases for people. We had people coming to us that wanted 10, 15, 20 cases. These people bought cases at $20,000 on release. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're talking about that's, that's 1800 a box, you know, 1750 a box. Like where's the room now, by the way, Yeah. by the way. So <laughs> Don, people don't realize those boxes went to 1200. 1200 retail so i had people crying to me trying to sell the cases at twelve thousand dollars and taking losses all day those people took baths you know and it's it's tough too because when uh what was it 19 prism when kyler and jones were out right so those those boxes shot through the roof and and Brandon and I were just talking about this. Like, I think I opened four hobby boxes and didn't even get a Kyler base. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not buying any more of this stuff. I'll buy singles, but I'm not ripping another hobby box. Because the price, I mean, back then, back then, a couple years ago, the price, I think it was maybe 400 for a box. And then it just doubled. It was, like, four, it was 400. Yeah. And then even at 400, that was a lot then compared to the previous year. But like, I, I'm curious to see what Prism does now. But I mean, if you got the cases with Burrow in them and Herbert, those got to be go up at this point, right? Did you did you see where they were at Super Bowl? Uh-uh. uh-uh. So single individual boxes went up to 2,500 for Prism. Wow. Um, they obviously came down a little bit now, right. but. What I what I like was about nineteen and 
you're giving a good example. It's tough hit to hit, but yeah. tough to hit is also good. Because right. look at the prison basketball where every single box you were getting a Zion. Yep. Right. I must so, me, I think the sink one and two. <laughs> you know, so it it's very tough because like I get it from from the other standpoint you want to hit in every box but it's so much better if you're not hitting for the overall right. you know for the right. overall value um it's so funny you say that because I was holding a case of of 19 prism and well I actually have a funny story about 19 prism so I had a very there's the Hicksville um the target in Hicksville is about a six minute drive from my store. I've done it plenty of times for 8 a.m. releases to get there, clean out, and come back to my store. Like right. I had it, you know, I had it alarmed. I, I'd literally be there and back, and the card section is right by the checkout. So it was yeah. like I had a system. I had, there were some local friends of mine that would run once in a while that I would pay them to do it. So Mikey and I got lucky. The first one of the holds that I got, I got an entire clean clean out of 1920 NBA prison. I'm talking about it was an I I will I'll send you the picture. It's nine hundred seventy six dollars. Every single blasters megas like you had right. to see this wall right now. The wall would be worth uh, you know like. 5x at least at the yep. height it would have been worth like ten thousand dollars it was like crazy and it was so good you know at that point there were no limitations nobody really knew about it um a friend of mine was at target and she's like are you looking for these cards and sends me a picture and i go yeah she goes well how many do you want and i literally said the entire thing she's like so the lady <laughs> at the counter the vendor was so happy because the vendor literally took the boxes, put them on literally right to the register, literally brought it over. And the girl texts me and she's like, it's almost a thousand dollars. Are you sure? I'm like, get out of there before somebody robs you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bring yeah. it to me. Right. So I continue on doing this. Right. And there's a couple of targets in Queens, couple of targets all over. Um, I was collecting 19 football retail nobody was buying it was sitting on shelves. no it was sitting yeah no one was buying it right? sitting on shelves so i would at, see it like i'm not opening it <laughs> at the at that point the system was i would pick up whatever i can get i would ship it to mikey at he was breaking whatever he could get in florida plus whatever i was getting him and um we were sitting on 19 football nobody was ripping it right so target has a 90 day return policy so the stuff was stashed i had about 800 dollars worth of 19 prism and mikey and i look there was budgets there was you know it was a different situation so we would constantly bring it up finally we're on day like 88 and i'm like you know and i'll tell you i, I this kid at predicting what's going to happen with prices is like i've never seen he's like a prophet Right. He would always call. This is going to happen. And we're talking about I'm talking about way back from like 19, early 2020, when he was making predictions that like 1920 Prism Hobby would go over 2000 when 
when they were like $400, $600 and people laughed at him, he was right. like, watch. And those boxes went to 4,500 at one point. Yep. You know, so him and I made a conscious decision to return all the 19 football. Wow. So my wife, so we had all these boxes. I'm talking about cellos, blasters, megas all over my basement. My wife helps me. I've never seen her leave so happy. She packs this enormous box, goes back to Target, and returns everything. Yeah. Talk about losses, you know, in hindsight, it's like, but what are you going to do? Like, we look, at least I got my money back. We thought we were going to lose on the property. <laughs> you know, like, you, you never know. And then I was sitting. I would have ripped it off. Box. Oh, you know what? So the funny part is I ripped a ton of it with Hudson because it was so cheap. Like right. the sellers were, I, I had it at cost, you know? Yeah. And I have probably, I probably had like 10, 11 dimes, like Danny dimes. I was pulling left and right. I have a bunch of graded. I have a bunch that I sold off. Um, it was you that I bought the big ones from, right? Yeah. 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 yeah for cheap. For yeah. cheap. Do you remember what I paid for this? I do. It was cheap. It did. I mean, I don't know it where was... his price is now, but it was cheap. I sold, I, we can look honest, it up, I'm sure. One card I sold in Dallas last March covered all of them. I'm sure. I, I think I paid like, you charged me like 800 and yeah. it was like massive. Like, I, I still, I, I'm holding two of them. One of them was a select out of uh, BGS out of 15. Yeah. yeah, 15. Yeah, that's right. So, I, so I, I bought that card a single off of eBay um, and just was like, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the chance. Bought it off of eBay. Came in. I sent it to Brandon. And that's when you could grade for 35 bucks with BGS and it was like a five-day turnaround or something stupid. And so... No, look and look, everybody eats, everybody, everybody's happy off of it. That's, that's like the thing. I'm also a Giants fan and I actually yeah. wasn't, I'm, I'm big on, on dimes. I think the organization screwed him and just did not give him a chance. And I think he's finally getting that, you know, yeah. so we'll see what happens. But I had a ton of dimes, had a bunch of Kyler and then just returned everything. I literally wish I ripped every single box because I would have been, but at the time, like I was carrying like three, 4,000 in inventory personally in early 2020, which, right. which right. was a lot, you know, boxes yeah. were, I also at the time didn't tell my wife. So I bought an 1819 flawless on release. He gave it to me. I, I paid about two, the, 2000 or 2100 for it so right. he did super right by me as he promised me gave me every release product it was the single biggest box that mikey had broken we hit drafted it like in the summer of 2020 at 450 a spot by the wow. way those briefcases right now are twenty five thousand dollars. was there anything good in them Okay, so this was the funny part. So one of the things we always had, people didn't know my full involvement, and I would join drafts. And 
not in a malicious manner. I would join it and I would keep the cards. It was coming yeah. out of part of the profit, whatever it was, you know, um, and I did it for fun. So 10 spots, it snap filled after I took a spot, which look, I was actually taking a spot. Not right. a single person kept a card out of that box. That's how bad it was. Wow. Literally, everybody was laughing and told Mikey to keep all the cards. And we were like, what are we going to do with them? Like, we feel bad. You know, we got to ship something. There was a KD Auto that might have been $150, $200 back then, which would have been for half the, half the value of a spot. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, a trope. That's crazy. It was, it was yeah. a trope. I, I never have luck with Flawless or any of those. I'm like... Yeah, it never works out. For me, it doesn't. Plenty of people hit, you know what I mean? But I mean, I've seen some massive, like, you saw yeah. you saw when we ripped the Flawless in the office? Yeah. The Lamella 1-3 auto. Yeah. But, like, the sad part is that card is, I, I was hoping it would pay for the case. It's right. paying for one briefcase, not the full case. Right. <laughs> you right, know, right. like... You know, the values are, it, look, and, and this is why everybody gets so upset because nobody really, so many people don't understand the sh pricing structure. And they're like, how could it be that you're getting $500 out of a $10,000 box? Well, the right. actual price of that product is $3,000, right? So like when you do the equations, it's very different. I think yeah. the problem, look, the distributors got, the distributors are calling the price and oh, they, yeah. work, they work hand in hand with, with Panini on it because of the games that get played because Panini, I didn't listen to the pot and now I'm going to go listen to what, what Steve had said yeah. about it because, you know. I just, because, don't, I just don't understand why Panini and Tops don't regulate it. You know what I mean? Like, um, like Nike, you cannot, like if you had a store, right? So it's, it operates very similar. So if you had a shoe store and you wanted to bring Jordans in, right? You're like, oh, I just want retro Jordans and Air Maxes in my store. Nike won't let you do that unless you're a premium account. And even as a premium account, you still have to take on other things, right? But no matter what the price is, they set that retail price no matter what what it is. So even if you have a pair of Jordans that you know you could sell for five hundred, if you get caught doing that, Nike just they cold cut you off completely. You're done. Yeah. You, and they don't care if you spend ten million dollars with them. They they will completely cut you off. Oh yeah, no, no, I know it's brutal. So so I just I don't understand why Panini and Tops don't do that. You know. It was it was a complete money grab for them. Oh yeah. Um, what. Uh, they overpaid for the for the basketball license very very heavily, to the point that and this is like some just information that I know through the industry is they paid like when they came in to get that license, they were like oh that's the price all right cool five x, right, and it was like an unnecessary it was almost like they bid against themselves, you know. Um, the thing is, you, you so I don't know if you talked about this, but they regulate their online pricing based on yep. what, what like, it how the pre sales are going for the major websites. 
No, right, is, and that's exactly, and that's what it's atrocious. Like how a, a an actual company can function like that and get away with it is it's almost like criminal, you know, and, and it's so oh, yeah. It's, it's it's a complete money grab, like you said. Like they, they're like right now. I just like they have Optic H two for five thirty on their website. So like even so, even if you were a, the distributor or a direct, and you had a direct account with them, you're like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, if it sells out, then that's great for you, right? The the, the person selling them in your store. But if it doesn't, then you're like. What am I supposed to do with this stuff? You guys are outpricing us also in a bad way where, I mean, I doubt they'll ever let it happen, but like, what if it goes on sale on the website? You know what I mean? And then it's like further screwing the stores. Well, but how, that, many that times, how many times they put product back yeah. later that, right. they've, that they've re-released and then completely tank the market. And it's yeah. just like, it's so unfair to so many people. So you mentioned before the LCS thing, and that's where I do agree with you because I have seen, you know, like I have seen malicious like guys who have had allocation for 20 years that yep. the crazy part is, you know, the thing with allocation is there's the allocation and there's the rebuy price. Right. And the rebuy yep. is like the, the, the price wet. Look, if you have allocation and you cost average out, you're doing well, you could sell a product. But I know stores, and I, I personally know stores that get allocated product, sell at market, and refuse to even drop. Like, look, I've been in there and try to play the cash, you know, would right. you do anything for a cash game? They don't care. And that it's not even about the cash aspect. It's I've come in to buy a case where, dude. Yes, I understand case prices generally are more expensive because of the case hit. But for a store, it doesn't matter that's no, trying to no, sell no. product, right? They right. should be able to sell it at a discount because of volume. Yep. Nope. Nope. And, right. and it, it, it's and that's where like the hobby, you know, and look, it also goes back to the same mentality for like I hate to call it this, but like the old guys, right, at the shows that refuse to deal with younger generation or refuse. Yeah. And like, look, I, I'm, um, I've been in business for a very long time, so I know how to handle myself. And I understand there's plenty of guys in the hobby or girls, people that, that aren't as professional and that don't behave. But when regardless of their behavior if you don't want to do business with them just because you know all these people are forgetting without the young coming in they're they're having their best years historically in the in, right. ever right so what do you what's your gripe you know you're flourishing i i know guys that own lcs's that were driving toyota camry like 90s toyota's camrys up until two years ago and now we're driving porsches like, right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like it, at a certain, like you mentioned that it didn't burst, but at a certain point, it's like um, history kind of repeats itself, right? So, like you had the junk wax error. Now we're kind of like in this junk slab error. How how long does it take for these people that are not in it long term, like you and I, right, or that collected as kids? How long do they stay in this 
when it, when this, these things keep happening, they overproduce stuff, overprice stuff. People only have so much money, you know what I mean? Um, and so and for like those... you and I, like this isn't our full time job, um, right? So it's, you know what I mean. So like I don't rely on cards. It's just like funny money to me, where I can like get things that I want and then or trade or sell things when I feel like it. So that's the thing that I think that's the problem is that that bigger picture of like. When the money well, goes for a drive. Right. But I think look, if you look at guys, um, and I'll use I'll use Lane as an example, right? He's been doing this his his uh, I think Lane's been doing this for ten or twelve years. And his, he never stopped, like his whole life. He never stopped. And there's so right. many people like him. And, and Lane is super young, so he started doing this. Right. And I've had the conversation with him where I was like, where, you know, what were guys doing? And he said, guys were making money all along. You know, you guys just weren't in the space, but there were plenty right. of guys making plenty of money. It just, when the, the COVID like spike hit, it just went up. It just like went off into like a crazy, crazy space. I truly think, and this was so important, right? I've seen the cycles from the break end, right? Guys yeah. go into breaks, guys buy purses, guys go. And it's like three to six months, they just rip nonstop. Right. And then they get smart. They start buying singles. They start buying the cards they want. There are investment cards there. You know, and it's that cycle. And then, you know, they slow down. They get better and smarter with their investments. But then some of them come back to ripping because it's still like the fun, the my friends yeah. are doing it let's do it together kind of deal one of the most important things that like um so many like high up people or successful people not high up people successful people whether breakers or in the industry is and like the discussions i've had with them is bringing in new blood consistently you know right. so all these guys that don't want to see the steve aoki's in it or you know or the famous people. I'm like, you guys are missing the point. Steve Aoki comes in, you just brought in millions of people that are following right. him. Yep, exactly. People don't like, you know, let's say another musician or another, you know, popular person. You know, AJ Dillon jumped in and he, it's funny because AJ, when AJ jumped in, I, I was one of the first people to speak to him and um, he, jumped into somebody's live and I literally DM'd him. We started talking and he kind of, he made some mistakes, um, just yep. made some innocent mistakes and they, you know, but he rectified it. He corrected it. The guys in the hobby just got, um, just got interviewed by somebody. I don't remember if it was a podcast or a live. He collects his own stuff as well as, yeah. you know, he collects like Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. When you have, Look, anybody who's a fan of his now is going to want to collect. You right, want that. Right. You want I, so I, I stopped following him only because he was uh, charging like 5X retail prices for like oh, yeah, contend no. contenders. And I was like, yeah, I'm not into this. Like, it's kind of. But yeah, if you're saying he rectified, then that's good. I never heard that part of it. So. He, he, well, he got corrected. And what happened was he didn't know any better he was just kind of right. jumping in and look at the end of the day he's he, just because he's mad he's a young kid who, who right. is that? all these guys are doing all this stuff why can't i do it you know the problem is when you're 
on a celebrity level or an athlete, you're not allowed, you know, like it's it, everybody looks at you in a different light, you right, know? Right. So, um, but people like that, it's bringing in new blood consistently, you know, and I've seen throughout the last three years, I've seen, you know, when, when I saw the billionaires jump into the space and, and you know, have conversation, had conversations with several very, very high end who were doing it investment wise, and they weren't doing short term investment wise, they were doing like, these are guys buying, let's say Luca RPAs, you know, like, I sat on a phone call to Luca RPAs, Meg, like the, the big ones, you know, yep. got purchased on the phone that day. And those guys are putting that away. Like, you know, that oh, those yeah. guys are not doing it so that, you know, the minute those guys are putting them away, like Jordan Flea rookies, you know what I mean? And when you see that, it changes the perspective where you're like, this isn't just kid flippers. This isn't just, you know, guys making a quick buck. And, you know, I think the longevity, um, truthfully, and, and I don't know, Ruben, I, I've spoken to Josh Luber. I've met him, you know, not in length. I, I hope to get to speak to both of those guys. I right. think they, they're, I think they're visionaries and they're so successful. Like, look, people could hate on StockX, right? But like, look at that platform, looking at success. You know. Oh, oh yeah. So I, I went to um, they have this thing called StockX Day. I don't know if they still do it, but I, I got to go. It was the second one they ever did, and um, I just remember saying that they were bringing in two million dollars revenue a day at one point, and this was five years ago. So I can only imagine what it's at now, and because they've expanded globally, you know. And then they got the uh, the place in New York that does the verification. Um, yeah, they both east and west. Yeah. You know. And, uh, and you can get, and I've ordered stuff from them where stuff has literally come from China to New York. It's got verified and then came to me, you know? So, and, and what do they own, right? They own nothing. They're, they're they not producing nothing. a product. They're not producing a product. Um, they're just have employees that verify your stuff and send it to you. It's genius. Um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what he does in the space. You know what I mean? Um, he's I a smart guy. They're, I think they're both smart guys and they, you know, they're like trajectory of how, like, look who they're involved with. It's successful people around successful people. Like yeah. they're not gonna, they're not investing their time and money into this to let it sink. I right. think they're going to, from, from what I understand, like the retail program is going to really change. So I think they're putting their retail products in their retail stores which is going to like reinvent, you know, lids. And I forgot what other store they own. Um, but like, you know, look, Target and Walmart don't want to deal with this shit. Believe me, I, I've spoken to the vendors, the store managers and everybody else, the mess that, and now it's calmed down. But like when prison drops, you know, they, they don't want right. to deal with this shit. They're making $3 a box for fights and, and security at, at their stores. Right, right. And people like, just acting crazy. Yeah. You know, so like products like that, I'm just really curious. Um, you know, so many people are worried about what they're going to do. They're not trying to cut out a million people. They're, they're no. growing as much as possible, right? All these people. Are no, they want to keep printing money. Yeah. 
Like, <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the point, right? Their goal is to grow this thing more and more and more, and all these people are freaking out. They're like, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna break themselves." No, there's not enough. They can't hire enough people to break for them for it to even make sense. You know? No, and uh, I, so I saw they. Uh, it was like a month or two ago. They were saying that everything at Tops is pretty much going to stay the same. Like you're not going to even notice that Fanatics owns Tops. You know what I mean? Which I think that's a good thing. Um, I also heard rumors today at there's like a top summit, right? That tops is going to be doing, it's going on right now. Yep. They're going to be doing Bowman like basketball for like all the college guys. So the, the college guys will have Bowman first now. Um, I think it was soccer and then football too. So the college football guys are going to have Bowman first, um, which is insane, which is insane. So I personally like as soon as Bowman and Tops Chrome and shit start coming out for basketball and football, I think Panini's gonna have a real problem on their hands. Well, um, right, because it's gonna be unlicensed. It's gonna flip. So, so I mean, and I think once they get those licenses, you know, and it's gonna be insane. So I was just having this conversation with somebody um, kind of high up in the hobby the other day. And uh, we were talking about this because I heard an I heard an even more aggressive rumor regarding pro sports, and I don't want to put the rumor out there, but you could make sense of it, you know, that the time would be sooner um, because I didn't think the play would take five years. Like right. it just why is it taking five years? But apparently the licenses don't expire till twenty six, right? And that's that's the holdup, but. Even unlicensed tops, to me, like tops chrome, right, unlicensed is very different than Panini Prism baseball unlicensed. Right. Because right. I feel like I feel like the the hobby yearns for like tops chrome and finest like basketball. You imagine if it comes out like you know I think, I think tops could learn like in the short so we're talking short term right i think tops could learn from panini in the sense where like panini's unlicensed baseball high end so like flawless mm -hmm. immaculate nt they I, they do it right like those patches are unbelievable they're on card um, like believable products right and the fact that they're unlicensed people hate on them but like I mean, find a Fernando Tatis RPA unlicensed panini and bet it sells for a ton, you know. So, so it's funny. I have a Soto three color patch auto out of, I think it's out of fifteen that I bought for right. like, I bought it for like two hundred fifty bucks last year, and the person was like, couldn't grab my money fast enough, and I'm like, dude. You're so misplaying this. Like, this is an on-card Soto auto, you know, with, like, with a three-color patch. Like, right. what? You know, and they were like, oh, look, you're, you know, after the sale was done, the guy was like, look, it's unlicensed, it's trash. I'm like, I'm like, the product is so well well done, and you're right. I think, I think look, Tops, Tops really is the OG in the game anyway, right? So, like... Yeah. They they've been making products for how long, uh, and people's complaints about Prism quality and Panini quality is so funny to me because 
if the quality was perfect and everything was everything was a ten, it would not have value. Right. Like everybody well, that's that. part of the game, right? That's the part of the game is trying to find those good cards to grade and get those right. tens. We don't and we don't want everything to be a ten. That's crazy. But people act like they do. And look, I've yeah. seen some horrendous things. I don't. Do you remember when when twenty twenty Prism uh, football came out? First off, do you watch breaks a lot or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch. I, well, so I, I'm kind of like I've scaled it back. I only watch a couple people here and there, but yeah, I definitely so remember watching 20, those breaks. When 2020 first off the line came out, I remember one of uh, one of the Polax customers had bought a case for himself, and he ripped it at home by himself. That wasn't a cheap case, and when I tell you, the like you couldn't the corners were so bad oh yeah brandon do you remember that yeah yeah i'm watching this and i'm like this is first off the line this is going to be horrendous and it was like it it wasn't just it was a whole batch of it it was just awful right and like that that's a different level of awful how much how much were those a box those on release were like, I think they were eighteen hundred or two thousand. Two grand, each. yeah, I think they were two grand. Yeah, because uh, Brandon got two boxes, and um, every single card was like the corner was crimped. Yes, you every single card. If you yeah. put them in a pile, they couldn't. They wouldn't even stay together. It was right, it was, right. They were destroyed. So yeah, everybody was like, "Oh my god, they fucked it up. They fucked it up," and then. Lo and behold, regular comes out, and like the first couple, like I'm watching on release day, and I'm watching, like I, I watch like the big channels that I know get the most product, right? Because I'm always curious about what, because Hobby Direct, which comes, uh, I don't know if you know the definition, but so Hobby Direct comes straight from Panini, yep. Hobby comes through distributor. That's okay. So generally people have a theory that hobby direct cases are better cases uh-huh and you can you can follow the certain lcs's and see that on release day on release day so 100 yeah, percent. i'm watching certain channels and i'm watching it and i'm like wow even they have shitty quality boxes and then all of a sudden it was like the opposite it was like all of a sudden it like went perfect so i'm like wow I guess their first couple of prints were just disastrous. And then they like, right, you know, everything else was fine. And I've not seen a single box like that since like the release week. Yeah. I, I wonder like with uh, that first off the line, like what the hell was that guy doing? That was the quality control person. Cause it, like you said, it wasn't like one pack, the whole damn box. And it was like box after box after box. Like, what were they doing? It, it was dude, dude was sleeping on the job is what he was doing. Did you see there was a real funny one? Um, you know the immaculate um is it immaculate or impeccable no impeccable that have the silver bars? You know the silver yeah. bar cards, they're like yeah, yeah. super thick. Yep. So, yeah, impeccable. I don't remember who it may have been backyard or bleacher. They had one yesterday. And so, you know, it comes in the foil pack and they're looking at the foil and they're like, the hell, something's like off about this. They open it up. The gold bar 
was not in the thing. It was on top of the card, like stuck to the top of the card. Dude, those are handmade. Yeah. The fuck? Like, Panini, and the thing that the thing that drives me crazy with them is you can't even get a hold of anybody now. Like before, you could call. I, I, so I had a. A f- from a first off the line box, it was a stars and stripes. It's a it's a baseball card, but like it's supposed to be a stars and stripes RPA. And they sent me a regular to twenty five RPA, and I'm like, no, I want the damn stars and stripes. And I've emailed them every single day for the last two weeks, no response. I just keep forwarding the same email every day. See that that kills me because when you're you're when you're making so much money. All you had to do was was hire like three people to just answer emails, because yeah. I will say like people have complained about Tops customer service. I have. I've had never had an issue. Never had an issue. The first time that I ever called about a a damaged card, the woman stayed. Wait, <laughs> this is crazy, because it was mid COVID. She goes, "Wait, I'm looking at your address online." Our warehouse is like 10 minutes from your house. She's like, I can't meet you at the warehouse, but I can guarantee you we'll go to the office and I'll I'll go to the office next week and I'll pick out a card and ship it right out. It'll be right to you. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, so, I, so they had uh, that Star Wars release a week ago and uh, – I, I messed up and sent it to my New York address, and uh, but I called Tops immediately. I was like, "Hey, I put the wrong address." They're like, "Yeah, no problem. We'll contact FedEx to get the right address." So they emailed me within an hour and said, "Hey, it's taken care of." Well, it went to the New York address anyways, and I wish I knew someone to go get it. But uh, Tops was like, "That's our fault. We'll just refund you." But I, in my mind, I was like, "Well, I'm the one that screwed up. You guys tried to fix it." But they refunded me, and they're like, "If we had another box, we'd send it to you, but we don't." Yeah, so no, like, it's fine. Their customer service is amazing. I just had um, a breaker that's a friend of mine. They pull, so they they ripped an NT box. They ripped a basketball NT in office, and they pull an Anthony Edwards vertical um, RPA at yep. ten, a gold. And I guess the break, the guy breaking didn't check it. Um, they go to Tarrytown, the big show. BGS was there. They sub the card. Card comes back a five. Wow. So, I, well, I was like, dude, how do you not look at the card? What, what, like, what does that mean? It's First of all, they sent me pictures of the card, but it turns out the damage was all on the back. So you know how the um, the NT boxes have whatever color. So yep. it looked like the color bled all over the back of the card. So the surface got like a two. So anyway, I was like, they're on the phone. I mean, this is potentially a $20,000 card. Right. So now they're freaking out, but they had video of everything. They video it was pack pulled. It wasn't something. And the, the like, it's all over the card when they looked at it because you know that those cards are super thick. Yeah. So it's like, it's all over, like all over the edges, all over the back. So it's not like they did it. It's not blood. It look, it's like paint or ink 
Um, but they're like freaking out because, look, I don't know. You know, you saw the the um, Zion that Shine had replaced, right? Yep. They should be doing that for cards like this. I totally agree because that so, that card was mangled. I had a um, Eric from Instatrading Cards. I opened a box of Obsidian Football three years ago now. Uh, there's a Drew Brees 101 in there. The back looked like someone had a cat in the office and just put three slices in the back of the card. So Eric thought, like, I'll help you out. I'll just send it to me, no problem. It's been three years. We haven't, I haven't heard anything. So that's so probably never get. I'm probably never getting it back. I mean, I'm not even. I don't. I don't care for Drew Brees, but it's still a one-on-one. You know what I mean? It, have you tried? I know you go to a lot. You go to a lot of the big shows. Have you tried to speak to them at any of the shows? I haven't caught them yet, and you know, like at nationals, I'll try if I get to the show early. But I'm not. I'm not going to stay. I'm just. I'm impatient. So I won't stand in line for two hours and talk to somebody. You know, so we. Um, we what's it called um we're gonna have a lot of people there i'm gonna put one of my employees online because we uh, you can give us your stuff do you know how it works though so you train you can trade all your redemptions and or yep. damage stuff for the white boxes and, and everything else yep. and you know there was a guy in in chicago i don't know if you saw him he had a sign he he took one of those huge like he, like you remember the um like the science project like um yeah. things we used to use like the the huge huge boards so it said yep. I've been waiting for my redemption for it was like tw like he had it down to like the minute like years week years months days weeks and he was standing online with it and I think they came up to him and they were like just come on. <laughs> they were like, we can't have this guy standing online with yeah. everybody to see this shit. But they were, they they did take care of everybody. It was hours of waiting. I mean, that line and national ran through the room all the way to the back. When I saw it, I literally am like, I I chew myself in the head. Yeah, I just I can't do it. But I I'll try. Like I said, if I get there early, I'll try. But uh, that man, yeah. I've had. I've had a couple of redemptions that have been sitting for like four or five years. So they're probably you know, worthless now. It's so funny. I, I was just looking through my redemptions the other day um, because I have a damaged card. I got a um, – and I've seen this so many times where it looks like the pack was sealed right across the card. Yep. So it was a die cut um, out of contenders. Um star something it was rj barrett out of 25 which at the time that i pulled it wasn't worth oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. That RJ, yep. now that rj is actually playing well i've been like on them and they're like they i guess i was missing either the foil pack i sent the box i sent the receipt from the breaker right. like i sent everything and it like they just won't put it in because something was missing and so I've been trying to get them on the phone, whatever. At this point, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm looking through my stuff the other day and I'm like, I, DKF, DK, DK Metcalf, I have like three like big redemption of, redemptions of his and like, I wanted them. But like, at this point, I, 
am I waiting or am I just asking for, for you know, for like, I would take cases. those white boxes. He's a wide receiver anyways. You He's a wide receiver. That's it. I'm, yeah. I'm taking, you know, it's funny because I've actually um, ripped a lot of NASCAR and T because I love to me. It's like baseball, but it's actually licensed and it's like super I, I was, cool. Yeah. Shit. I was just uh, messaging someone today, like, because uh, someone, I had a Matt Kenson, like, on-card auto NT on my story sale, and someone was like, oh, I didn't expect you to have NASCAR. And I was like, well, I, I grew up in Florida, so I went to a lot of Daytona 500 races as a kid, but, like, I, I don't think the boxes are worth the price. I, I don't know how much a, pre- a box is, but, like, I bought, I bought a Richard Petty game used, uh, like, his suit on card auto for less than a hundred bucks. And I think it's like number 25, which blew my mind. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. Richard Petty is like a historical, like racing right. icon. So I the boxes are running at like 450, which okay. if you think about what you can get. And most of those are like, most of the boxes all, they run well. Like you're not right. getting shit. You're at least getting a couple hundred dollars worth of product. Right, right. You know, well, that's what I bought a uh, Tony Stewart, the Richard Petty. I've been looking for like a Bubba Wallace, um, but yeah, I, I look every once in a while. So, so I have a redemption. I have a Tony Stewart, and I think it may be a Kenseth dual auto out of like ten. That's a redemption, and like right. I want that shit. Like Tony yeah. Stewart, I love Tony Stewart. Right, so like I want that shit. Like. You know, so, no, and he was, a, and they're both champions. So yeah, well, Tony Stewart's one of the few guys that's won like every level. Like he's won yep. every circuit, racing yep. circuit. Um, and I always loved that guy. That guy was ready to fight anybody at any time. He's always, like, yeah. One of the always most entertaining shit. guys, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I I think the hobby's in a, in like a good place. Um, do you want to talk about the state of the hobby? Do you want yeah. to give us state of the hobby uh, no, no, no. So I was just uh, no, no. I was going to say we've been on for over an hour. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on or talk about? Um, yeah. I mean, today, today, my rant and and raving about the episode that I had was like a funny moment because like I see certain shit and I'm just like the the state of the hobby addresses to me have become like look. I get it. So what is it? Is it somebody getting on their story just kind of like Yeah, somebody was on their story and like I I know him and he's like a very young kid and like it's not about me getting on young kids, but it's like this kid gives like the state of the hobby like story address like once every three weeks. And today's post was, Oh, Instagram, my Instagram sales have been doing phenomenal. So I'm I'm assuming the hobby's in a really good state right now. And I was right. like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like the entire hobby just evolves around the, his story. Wait, and and like I get it if this was somebody who had like a hundred thousand you know followers or like right. because then you have like a real like audience, right? This sure. kid's got like 1500 followers and I'm not hating on the amount of followers he has, but it's like, so I spoke to a bunch of people that were in in Atlanta and those people all like the sentiment, whether the, sh- the they love the show, the show is great, but they all left 
feeling like the hobby's in a very good place based on That's what good. happened and a major show, right? Or right. if you go to like, let's say Layton, right? Or Bullpen or, you know, RBI Crew or Dave and Adams and look at their sales, that's the state of the hobby. But like all these guys and I see it and at least five stories a day or I see the lives where these guys are like, let's talk about the state of the hobby. And 99% of them, they have no fucking idea what's actually going on. They just, no. it's their bubble of what the hobby is. It's it's like any it's like anything else, right? It's uh, it takes money to make money, right? And the people that have the money are probably better in tune with saying what the state of the hobby is. Um, yeah, right. that's yeah. <laughs> the funny part was, and if like, you go to if you go to a show, Layton is buying plenty, so I'm sure that plenty. state of the hobby is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, like you look, the funny part is like, I, you know, I follow him and I know the kid personally. And three months ago, he had put up a story about how the hobby's over and nobody's right. buying anything. And no, and it was because like, and I'm I, like, I see his story sales and I'm like, you're dude, I, I want to say like, look at the shit that you're posting. Of course, nobody's buying. Right. Did you ever think about that part of it? Like, yeah. if you know. And liquidity is something, you know, look, I, I actually, I, I have a, a, a big card right now that I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to move. And something that I've always said is I'm willing to trade. I'd rather trade, you know, a $25,000 card. I don't mind trade into even 30, 40, 50 cards that are more liquid if oh, the yeah. other person wants that card. The, the big stuff's hard to move. Um... So I had a flawless LeBron PSA 10 patch. Um, it was the the Lakers from this first year with the Lakers. They won the bubble championship. And I think it was okay. number to 10 or 15. Okay. And, uh, and I took it to a card show just trying to get a Jordan rookie, a low-end one, and nobody wanted to trade with me. And uh, and then I had people uh, like Card Kahuna tried to lowball me on it, even though he really wanted it. And uh, – and then at the end of the day, I was like, man, and Brandon was there. And I was just like, dude, this is becoming a pain in the ass. Like I valued it at like five to six grand easy. And I was willing to take a loss on that to get the Jordan I wanted. But then at the end of the day, Brandon really wanted it. So I was like, fuck it. You can I have was going to say, I, I don't, I, oh, I sold it to Brandon for half. Like just take it, you know, I think half and we traded something. And then he ended up what well, the Brandon type of guy is. He sold her on eBay. For double or whatever I gave it to him for, and then he gave me money back in that transaction. Like, nah, you hooked me up. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hook you back up. So, but yeah, I just could like for me that it's scary with the bigger cards sometimes if you don't have the, the circle or the clientele to move those big pieces. So I'm with you. I'll be honest though. Uh, so I've been fortunate. One of the things I, I've because of all the relationships I've made, right. Um, I know a lot of the buyers. So like at nationals, I, I ended up brokering like seven figures worth of deals. Um, and it's just, or, or making heavy sales myself. Right. It's about knowing. And like, it's, it's so funny. It, it, if you like, you're in a particular lane, right? Like, you know, the Bowman guys and you know, the baseball guys and like guys follow you for certain things. So when you splurge, 
into like anything like let's say two three thousand and up it like two three thousand to the eight thousand is like another category and i would say even lower like two three yep. to like five six and then there's like it just knowing those guys is what it comes down to like i know who um i know who the buyers are for the card that i have right. they just don't want to pay the price that i'm asking for yep so i i'm coming to a deal where it's easier for me i'll get more value trading it yeah, but 100%. knowing knowing those things in the um it, it and that's like those lanes that like everybody has specialties and like they know like i'll tell you one of my go-tos from day one is lane for that you ask lane who collects what i guarantee you within within a minute he'll tell you exactly who collects what player oh, yeah. and buys certain things yep. he's like an encyclopedia for that you know yep. so like look i think connections are so important look you and i met you know so funny it's yeah the whole backdrop of the guy that that's not in our group chat that doesn't like me <laughs> you know like i thought all you guys were friends with him and none of you would speak to me because you know like all no so i you know like for me i don't i especially i don't harbor hate for anyone no matter what like just because someone has beef with you doesn't mean i necessarily do and if someone had a problem with you and i being friends or talking then those are the type of people for me you know what i mean and i've actually thought about putting him in the chat um and he and he's gonna come on a podcast uh him and i talked about it but like i don't yeah just i don't i don't understand the hate like how people have so much hate for other people or there's a lot of weird stuff with the hobby like there is um i've had people block i've had people block me for asking a question before because uh like i had a um it was kong's cards he he was asking me about this Bobby Witt Sapphire Auto I had, right? And um, and then just me being the person I am, I was like, hey, you don't follow me, and I don't follow you. Why are you asking me about this Bobby Witt, and how did it come about? You know what I mean? And uh, block, he just blocked me. He blocked me right then and there, and I was just like, that's super weird. I don't get it. I just had a similar experience with somebody, and the person the funny part was i made like i responded with an emoji to their story guy immediately blocks me and all these guys forget that i i originally started on my bagel master account so i right. of them so i immediately dm and i'm like what was up with that and the guy goes bro you're a clown you always clown me and i'm like what and i look through yeah. the dms and i'm like dude i'm like i wasn't at all i was like laughing in like a a funny manner at your story and he was like oh dude i'm sorry like uh, i i have you know I, I was just like super short and like it got triggered and i was like jesus people are so look it's so much i was just having a conversation with somebody today and the person was like how much harder is it to be an asshole than just be a, a nice person in general yep 100 percent. and i say that all the time like whether it comes to there's so many things that i didn't know about the hobby right and if you ask questions people like scoff and, and i'm like how the fuck did you learn yeah you learned because you asked somebody right yep. so why can't you just be helpful to somebody else it goes <clears throat> a long way 
I'll give you a prime example of uh, Lane. We'll talk about Lane. So the 2017 Prism rookie card of Patrick Mahomes, right? And the base rookie of Patrick Mahomes, not the hollow, just the base mm-hmm. optic. What's the difference between those two cards, right? None. They're both base cards. So that year in Prism, they didn't have refractors or base. They're all shiny. And people don't know that. And Lane... I remember he posted that and I was like, shit, I didn't know that, you know? So yeah, you, you have to learn somewhere and people lose hindsight of like that simple thing of like, it doesn't take a lot to extend an olive branch and talk to people. That's yeah. like, I, I don't understand people that don't answer DMs or like interact with people. I think it's so weird. Like you think you're that big online on Instagram that you don't want to just interact with people. Yeah. Why even have an account? It just makes no sense to me. Well, but oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I just I have a I have a off, completely off-topic question. Shoot. Um, so like three weeks. Yeah. No. When did I go to New York? So three. Yeah, three weeks ago. Uh, we're talking to our neighbors here, and they're like, "Hey, have you noticed there's no freaking cream cheese anywhere?" And I was oh, like, "Oh, the shortage." I'm like, "No, I didn't notice that." Like, I, how does that happen? How does like just cream cheese? There's a shortage. Of cream. Did you well, have a shortage? So, so- supply chain so i'm very fortunate we've been at uh you know look you've seen how i do business and it's funny yeah. because the first business transaction you and i ever had you did me a super solid i remember that daniel that danny dimes deal was when my paypal got frozen and you like yep. held the cards till i figured my shit out which i was like one of the most respectable i actually i told you this i thought when you spoke to the person that doesn't like me and I thought when he would find out about that, I would have been like outed as a scammer and like it, it would have been like he would have been like all over that, right? Yeah. You no, I, I remember I was like, nah, no worries, I understand. You know. But like you didn't know me from a hole in the wall, right? And this yeah. is like goes back to the community thing. You didn't know me from a hole in the wall. And when I put together that you were friends with him, I was like, I'm fucked. Like this guy's <laughs> gonna go yeah, yeah, yeah. full tirade you know, adding like another thing he doesn't like about me, right? And and will like call me a scammer or whatever else. So I was taught very old school by my dad, like you have to keep like your relationship super good. Yep. So through this, we've been able to get through COVID anything that I needed that was actually available. There are things that have gone, you know, major like supply chain issues, things from China right. that you know look they started making masks and gloves instead of certain things right so um the cream cheese shit's been going on for like six months and people didn't realize and when the holidays hit i think it like fully tilted Uh, it to so much more so the plastic containers for like retail product right like i i don't know if you guys have philly and like tempty and stuff that's a plastics issue which is a china (laughs) you know we get plastic from china so right. that's a shortage because of containers. The uh, actual yeah. cream cheese shortage comes from supply chain and factories closing down. Like I it's been, you. it's yeah, been yeah, a thing. It's been a huge thing. And I saw a letter from, so Kraft owns Philadelphia and like, they're like the conglomerate company. I saw an actual email from their vice president the company that I deal with is like the biggest dairy distributor. So <laughs> he showed me the email Christmas week. The email said, we hope to get it under control by March. 
Like that was what. Well, at least we're there. The funny, the funny part is, is like the only place that had cream cheese, straight up here in Virginia, was uh, Trader Joe's. My, I, I walked into Trader Joe's and the and the shelf was full, but it was all their only. You know, they only sell the Trader Joe's brand. So I was well, like, oh, well, there's cream cheese. Do you know a funny thing about Trader Joe's? You know, they don't make a single a single item that they sell. Right, they just brand it. Right, yep. everything's white label. So I'm curious who who their white label is. So one of their former employees was one of the funniest articles I've ever read. One of their former employees, like two or three years ago, you can Google it, outed like 10 or 15 of the brands. Like their bars, I think, are made by kind. They're like oh, chips. Sure. Yeah, like they outed, the guy outed them. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're probably going to get your fucking ass sued for that shit. But um yeah, dude, it's such like weird stuff. Uh, look, I'm hoping all this is like coming down. We the the mask mandate in New York for schools gets lifted tomorrow. Oh, so it got lifted here uh, a couple weeks ago. I I just I don't know what to I, like. I don't know what to believe anymore. Right? I hate to even say that out loud, but like when Omicron came about. Um, I remember coming downstairs, my wife's listening to the radio and they're like reading the symptoms and I'm like, just a cold. It's like, it's not worse than the first wave of COVID. It's like, just a cold. What are we doing? You know, at that point, I'm like, what are we doing anymore? It just doesn't make sense. Like the um, waves, look, the first waves, look, it was scary. And, and yeah, especially in New York, you know, New York and, and you're, you're in contact with a lot of people and I hate to ever place myself in like a category, but I see more people on a daily basis than most people see in like a month, if not more than that. Right. Right. So I was, I was there. I, I was at work every day. We were super busy. You know, we were open. unlike a lot of businesses and my exposure and everything else was like, it, it was high. You know, I was fortunate enough. I got vaccinated, you know, last year. It was my choice. I needed it, you know, for travel, whatever else. But it made life easier, you know. Yeah. Look, I, I'm not out here, but I have a Hudson's turning six. We did not want to vaccinate him, you know, yet right. we don't know. You know, look, we're not anti-vaxxers. We just don't know. And he's so no, yeah, I, it, yeah. The whole situation was tough because you know, depending on like your job or your situation, right? I, I, I'm one of those. I definitely think it's a choice. Um, but everything was so heavily incentivized. You know what I mean? And then I think they lost the majority of the people when they said no mask, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, everyone needs mask again. And then it was like, well. Why did we just do what we did? You know what I mean? And that's even recently, like, what was the guidance? Like, if you're just mask, right? Like, if you tested positive, but had no symptoms, just for mask, go about your business. So now it's like, now it's just no mask at all again. So it's like, what are we doing? You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, you don't even know what's real or not. Yeah. And, you know, the toughest part as a business owner was the onus was put on business owners. Yeah. And like, the first day that they remandated masks in New York and um, 5.30 in the morning, I had a guy and, you know, was, I look, I judge, I, I not that I judge, but I see who people are. Guy comes in, 
And I'm like, look, sorry, sir. You know, can you put a mask on? And the guy goes, right. Bro, can you go fuck yourself? Like literally. And I was like, I, like I, I expected it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, dude, like, I'm not trying to bust, break your balls. Like this is a mandate. And he was like, what? You know, he's like, when did this happen? And I'm like, today. And the problem was they were threatening that every business would get fined. They're not finding people. Yep. How the are you finding small business that is, you know, that all these businesses have had such a rough time, you know, right. with everything else. And that's like the tough part of everything, you know. But New, New York and, and California are like two states. I don't, if, if you're not married to a business, <laughs> There's no reason to live in these states anymore. It's so sad. Like, it's, I uh, love, yeah, I love New York. I like I'm a New Yorker through and through. But like they've the last three years, they've just made. And look, I'm not saying I I don't believe I I had a 35 year old friend that passed away. You know, in December. You know, right. I, I'm not trying to downplay it, but like you. No, give people a choice. You know, my family came from a communist country. <laughs> That's getting right, right. you know, like w we came here to be told. You know, it's like such a no, and that's where I, and that's where I think I think some we're talking about this today. I think that's where the mistake was is when you give people the choice, right? If they would have said like, "Hey, mask help," you should wear a mask. Then I think more people would have been inclined to be like, "You know what? I'll wear a mask." It makes a difference on wearing masks, but when you force it on people, and especially in a free country, I think that's where people are resistant. Like, no, you're not going to tell me what to do. I don't care if it's yeah. good or bad. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I I I love New York. So in my adult life, meaning like after I've moved out of the house, I've lived in New York longer than anywhere else. Um, I've been stationed there twice. My wife's from Jamaica, Queens. I, Wait, I, where were you stationed? I was stationed in Staten Island for four years and then Long Island um, for the three and a half. So, oh, out east. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, like, um, I, I told my wife, like, my dream would be to have like a one bedroom in Brooklyn where we could come for the summers, hang out for the fall, and then get the hell out of there as soon as that temp dropped. But just, I, I just don't want to pay 30,000 a year in taxes. Oh, you know dude, what I mean? It's so, <laughs> it's so, why do you think I'm in Queens? Like, yeah. Taxes are good, you know. It's so funny, I didn't realize that. But we go to Totten, we go to Fort Totten all the time because my wife is okay. like walking distance from there, and like we've oh, okay. taken Hudson there. Um, I have a lot of friends that were um, in different services, and you know, it's so important to me to to like show him, you know, like that, and like for him to like start understanding and appreciating, like this, you know. Uh, I have a real soft spot for people because look, we, we don't have our freedoms without you guys. Like that, yep. that's at the end of the day, like people need to understand that, you know? And I, I think that's another thing that's a little undersold, you know, these days and not enough credit is given, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's definitely a weird situation when politicians and people in politics get paid this ridiculous amount of money with lifelong benefits. And yeah, it's so it's, funny how many, how many people I've met though, especially in the last like year that are in cards that are like military or, you know, services. And it's almost, like, yeah. 
it's almost yeah it's almost like base state i didn't realize you know base state j you know jay-z do you follow jay-z 2005 he's like a huge he's a huge jay-z so. collector huge jay-z collector and like tom brady collector and like you know when the guys email me i see the signatures and i'm like I, i'm like this is so but it's it's great like look one of the things that that attracted me to this as like a, a side thing is the stresses of my regular business like i enjoy this so much i don't care about you know going to bed later and losing sleep yeah because it's oh, so, so enjoyable what one thing if you'll humor me um i, I want to come work in the bagel shop one day so i don't i don't, I don't think i've ever told you the story so my first real job as a kid in florida uh like I first moved to Florida, I make friends with this kid. So he just moved to Florida also. And I moved from Baltimore. Um, his parents moved from Long Island to open a shop in Florida. So his dad, his dad conned us perfectly. So they were a full Boar's Head Deli bagel shop. And, uh, but all the sandwiches were made on bagels. Okay. So his dad used to, his, and it was right across the street from the beach. So his dad would bring us, or his mom would come at like six. So she'd bring us, we'd serve, and we'd eat bagels and hang out all day at the bagel shop. And then slowly, his dad was like, hey, do you guys want to learn how to make bagels? And we we're like, yeah. You know, and this is like before we could drive. So then we learned how to make bagels. And then by the time I'm 16 and I can drive, he's like, hey, I'll pay you 10 bucks an hour cash if you open the bagel store and like make bagels. So for like one whole summer... I would get up at two in the morning and go to the damn bagel shop and make bagels and then surf and then pass out all day. And that was like my weekends for like a whole summer. And they were like, gave his dad a day off, but like, yeah. So I, I know how to make bagels. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I hear so much of that dude. Anytime. Well, you know oh. what? We'll make bagels and then we'll rip some wax at the store. <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. It'll be a good, it'll be a good day. Yeah. No, for, for sure. For sure. Are you so? Do you, are you still back there every day? No, I'm. I'm front of the house. I mean, I, I, I have you. a large. Yeah, I, I have a large staff. I have like a twelve, over twelve employees. You know, so I, I have. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I have a large operation going. Uh, but I'll tell you this: Monday, Tuesday, like I woke up for whatever reason at like three o'clock. Check my cameras. My bakers overslept two days in a row and like i was up calling them thinking all right what do i have to do if i gotta get up i'm <laughs> what i have to do yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like 10 more minutes and i'm getting my ass up if i can't wake them up <laughs> you right, know? right. so Dude, and, and no matter how used to getting up that early like when you go to work that early it's like pure zombie mode. like you're just like going through the motions and getting stuff done i you know what yeah but you know what the work so it's the driving that like i was actually in a very bad car accident like i was like in like 2006 i okay. fell asleep driving um yeah. and it's like so robotic more like like you said like everything i get up yep. i get out of the house i get in the car i've been doing the same commute and driving i've been driving since i'm 17 so i've been driving to the same exact place for 21 years like, right. you know, it's literally like full autopilot. I just don't yep. sleep. I'm used to not sleeping. And like, I function on four or five hours, like a kid. Same. So, yep. so, you know, it, it is like a little zombie-like, 
and it's like abnormal, but like, you know, like today I got like six hours of sleep. I'm like bouncing off the walls, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, gosh, man, yeah. I, there, there's nothing better than a fresh bagel right up, right out of the oven. <laughs> you have a different appreciation of it. You've, yeah. you've like done it. You like really know. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, but, I had no idea. How'd you not tell me this when you started ordering? I, I don't. I don't know. I just. I just. I, just I take it as a bigger compliment that you like my stuff. <laughs> man, those are like. I just. I just. It was a fun job too, though, because his dad was like, "Hey, if you think of something that might be good, just make it and put it out there. And if people buy it, then we'll make more. If they don't, then don't ever do it again." <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah it was, no, it's, it was good. My favorite was yeah. uh, I would make I would make uh, jalapeno cheddar bacon bagels. I and did, then, but I I, I like the every, I like the everything seasoning, so I would always put the everything. In it, so. But hey, did I uh, send you? I sent you a jar of it. You did. Yep. So funny. Yep. We started. I I used to have them in like the little containers, and then fucking Trader Joe's comes up <laughs> with this like beautiful spice jar, and I'm yep. like, "Fuck you guys! How come I didn't think of that like first? Yep. You know, they do it with they do it with the everything, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. They so do you know how they, they? So they're starting. They started. All they used to do was the the trail mixes. That's how they yep. started. Yep. You know, people don't even know it was like hippies in like um, yeah. Hawaii, I think, that started making like trail mixes and then turned it into this like mega company. That's crazy. I didn't. So I didn't know that part. But yeah, they like I man. They're good. I don't know who's making their stuff, but the price is always right and the quality is the, always They're good. very well priced. They're very well. Look, I know the market, right? And like, I, I really know like the back end of the market. Right. They're very, very aggressively well priced. Like yep. they don't gouge. They don't, you know, and their staff actually seems like they're happy all the time. And care. I almost feel like they're either like getting brainwashed back in like the back or like they're like chipper yeah. and it's like especially in new york you're like really like are you really yeah, what's like, going on here yeah what's going on like what are you guys on and like yeah. it's happy yeah. you know so but dude cool. thank you so much for having me on um, yeah absolutely you know we'll see, um, we'll see you, how the uh, are... audio came out though I, for a while there it was kind of choppy but the okay. last 30 minutes or so have been good um I don't know if that was my end or your end, but yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was good. No, this is my favorite. You. This is my favorite. Is like you can just have conversations with people, and it's like we're not even on a podcast or a show, we're just talking, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, it, that's that's what it is. And like, look, I, I'm like comfortable, and I'm I'm an open. Like anybody can ask me anything, you know, and I'll answer it. And it's like I've been brought on certain podcasts where they like purposely like bring me on for like certain things and i'm like dude you know i'm gonna fucking say the truth so like just right. just ask the question right you know right 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 so well, no, cool, man. I, I really appreciate it you are coming to nationals so i don't want to hear shit you guys are all planned i don't even want to hear it, it's not me it's not me it's brandon you gotta talk to i feel like he's gonna be the hardest i one feel like get, but... both of you are playing a blame game on each other like no no no, no it's this one no, I'm I'm all for it. Like I said, but I just don't want. I want it to be a trip where we do more than just yeah. nationals. You know what I mean? So that's my thing. Because you can always sit around the card show for so long. So you know, but we'll I, see. I got to tell you, Chicago was my first one, and I could have spent another ten days in there. 
because of how much business I was involved with. Right. And like, I did not walk the room once for my own personal shit. And I spent five days, at least 10 hours a day in that room. And it was so sad because I was like, wow, I did nothing for myself. See, I'm, I'm like, my ADD is too bad. I can't sit behind the, I can't sit behind the table for too long. Like I want to get out, talk to people, look at everything, come back and then I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, my problem was I didn't even sit behind the table that much. I was making so like one of the days I brokered, I literally within like three hours, I brokered like 400 grand in car in deals, wow. literally just moving around the room. You know, another day I was just introducing a bunch of people. I made a big deal um, with Phil Hughes, who, by the way, uh, I think he may be the only one bigger than than you. At he's a National. big dude. He's a big dude. <laughs> he's a big dude. Hey, that's all right. Um, it's you know, you retire, relax a little. He's got that. Well, he's got he's got that good money, so he's eating good. You know what I mean? So he said he blamed it fully on COVID. He goes, "Bro, for two years, all I do is rip cards and sit in front of a phone." <laughs> he literally, because uh, somebody said it. You know, it's like the question that everybody wants to ask, and somebody was like, "Bro, what happened?" And he's like, "Bro, I just sit and open cards in front of a phone all day and eat. What do you think?" You're when you're retired full time. That's, so that's that's a cop out, and I would tell him that that's a complete cop out. He could he could do whatever he wants. I would. He, that's a better answer to me is I just do what I want. I I just feel like athletes, like it's in your genetics to be able to like recover and like get in shape easier, right? Yep. So, like I'm not an athlete. I need to get my ass in shape. I know I do. I just haven't done it. Like for him, I feel like it would be easier. It is a cop out. It's, yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's the thing is, that, but you know, also his body's used to like, well, he's a pitcher, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, I don't know. Well, that's uh, Cedar Hollow. He talks to him pretty regularly. So, no, I speak to Phil all the time. We, yeah. When I met him, um, I met him a couple of years back. We became very friendly. So like that deal, I, I did a big deal with him at National. And like people, like a bunch of my friends right? I, I, were trying to sell him something. And I told them like, guys, you can't go to a person like of that level. Like you have to respect that he has celebrity status. And he has yep. like you have to, you can't just crowd a table and think, that you're just going to sell them shit. Everybody does that. Right. They didn't listen to me. They go to the table and I come over and he stopped the conversation with them to come over to me literally like, and they were like, bro, what's, why would you do that? And I'm like, I didn't do it. I warned you if I would have introduced you guys. So I stopped him and I was like, these are my friends, whatever. He goes, I don't want to fucking buy their shit anyway. <laughs> and he like left. We did it. We did a big deal. We got it on. We got it on camera. He he collects certain things. Like he's yeah. very. He's look. He, he's oh, I've like, seen. He's, yeah. He, but he like loves this shit too. Yeah, yeah. He does. And like, yeah, it's easier to have the money and like be sponsored or whatever. But like, he actually likes this shit, you know. So it's. He does hit a lot, but he, he does ripple. He swings a lot though. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, for I, sure. I've seen that guy rip, rip shit, and like literally, like keep going until he hits. You know, must be nice. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, all right, man. man I appreciate you so it, much, brother. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate it very you. Much. Thank you. We'll do it Thank again you. sometimes. For Have sure. A good one. You too. Later. Thanks for listening to the Break of Wax podcast. Please, if you enjoyed it, share it, um, send the link out, put it on your story. I welcome all feedback and comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you want to talk about. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I answer all my DMs. I think it's weird when people don't. That's another story for another day. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support and all the love. Peace.